Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all of the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you're not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. This week on the Major Spoilers Podcast, the Army of the Dead, the Rock is Crypto, the Army of the Dead, and MODOK. Welcome to issue 928 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for downloading and checking us out this week. Yes, you did notice that there is a uh, absent voice this week. Matthew's dealing with a family situation. Everything's all right. Don't worry too much. Uh, but he will be back uh, in two weeks. And I should say right up here at the top of the show before I forget, we are going to be dark next week. Uh, <laughs> Because there comes a time in every 50-year-old's life where you have to go visit a doctor and have a camera placed in places where you don't want a camera placed. And so I have a feeling that Tuesday is not going to be great for me and Wednesday will definitely not be great for me. And then Thursday, you know, why not? So if you're wondering where all the shows are next week, it's because of that. We will be back in two weeks because of that. I know that's a great way to show, start a show there, Ashley and, and Rodrigo, but uh, that's the way it is. Uh, you we love are... transparency. We love looking after ourselves. We love encouraging others to look after themselves. And really, it, um, you know, medicine has improved so much. It used to be when you were 40. That's when they were first suggesting that you go in and do a colonoscopy. Mm. Uh, but then, you know, technology has improved and blood tests and everything have improved. My doctor was like, ah, we can wait till you're 45. And then when I was 45, he's like, well, you're kind of in luck because now, you know, the recommendation is to wait until you're 50. And then, of course, he retired and my new doctor came and he goes, no, you really ought to go get it done now. And so I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'll let's just go get it done. And they're like, well, we will schedule schedule you for next week. And I was like, oh, OK, so there you go. Yeah. Screenings in general have kind of dropped because they've realized that a lot of the time. um people freak out, right? It's like, you might have something, and you might have something that's even cancerous, but it's not something that's actually dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, and so people get it treated, they spend tons of money, they do whatever, and it wasn't ever going to actually be a problem. So I think that's why, that's a big part of why now they're like pushing that back a little bit, because it used to be that screening people so frequently would find something and would kick everything into gear for things that probably didn't need it. Yeah. So everybody just go and have yourselves checked out. Uh, you know, if you're if you're a man or a woman, uh, there are things on your bodies that you want to uh, keep and that you want to remain healthy. So uh, go and listen to your doctor's recommendations and go do some of that preventative medicine. That's the name of the game. Now, with all that stuff out of the way, let's talk about some news. Rodrigo, what do you got for us this week? Uh, let's see. Uh, if you want to continue the zombie fun you experienced after watching Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Come on, has you covered, C-M-O-N, has you covered, with the upcoming Army of the Dead, colon, zombie side game. The tabletop adaptation of the movie has players assuming the roles of the mercenary company as they make their way to, into the no-go zone to find the bank vault full of loot. As of this recording, come on, has not announced a release date. I'm curious, is, is um, and I don't know how much board game knowledge you have, Rodrigo, but is... Come on, are they the only ones that have zombie-based games? I know uh, there's Pandemic, no, which is a no. plague game, but every time anything comes up with zombie-based game board games, at least not RPGs, but board games, all I can find is like Zombicide. In fact, if I go to my uh, friendly local gaming store up in Kansas City, they've just got a whole bookshelf just devoted to, to Zombicide. Well, Zombicide has really positioned itself well, because a lot of the other zombie games are already IP-based, right? There's mm -hmm. a Walking Dead board oh, right, game. right, right, right. Um, I think Zombicide did a um, Zombieland expansion as well. Yeah, and they also did a Night of the Living Dead expansion right. as well, yeah. So they've, they've really done a very good job. Um, I was just... Uh, very recently on their Patreon page, I want to say, because not Patreon, uh, Kickstarter, Kickstarter. Yeah. Because there's, uh, they're kickstarting their second edition. Right. Um, and they're doing, they must be doing well because Danny Trejo was doing the voiceover. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I went all in for their, um, Zombicide, um, Old West edition. Uh, mm -hmm. and I'm so, I'm very excited about getting that. But I was just curious if there was anyone else 
who did uh, zombie-based board games. But I guess Walking Dead is out there. And dear listener, if you have some thoughts, uh, sling them our way. Podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Uh, going on to the next story, Jack Quaid and Alice Lee have been cast as Clark Kent and Lois Lane for the upcoming My Adventures with Superman for HBO Max and the Cartoon Network. This is a family-friendly series that follows the Man of Steel, Lois, and their best friend Jimmy Olsen as they discover who they are and the power of teamwork when it comes to investigative news. Uh, also announced in the last week was a new Batman the Animated Series that's being produced by Bruce Timm, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves. I'm kind of, I saw the artwork for the um, Man of Steel stuff, My Adventures with Superman, and it's nice and cutesy. I don't know about Batman the Animated Series because I think they're going to, they say they're diving into a deeper look at the psychological aspects of that. Uh, Ashley, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on Superman and me? I think that this is a very fun casting choice. I really like Jack Quaid, which is something that mm -hmm. a, a phrase that I am surprised to find myself saying. Um, I think he's really good, particularly on Star Trek Lower Decks. I haven't watched The Boys, so I can't speak to The Boys. Um, but interestingly enough, both of those properties for which he's most known are very grown up mm -hmm. in the type of animation style that they are. So seeing him, like him as, I'm assuming he's playing Superman? Yeah, Superman's is, gonna show up in this. Uh, is is in is an interesting choice, but I think that more because we've seen so much. We're about to talk about it later on the show. We've seen so much adult-oriented animation. Invincible just wrapped up too. It'll be it'll be good to see a Superman show that is truly for everyone. So I I just think this sounds so cute. I want to see it. Yeah, no no word on the release date, but uh, certainly uh, HBO Max kind of played up both of those stories. And then they just didn't they didn't continue it, which I was really, really surprised. I really thought that we would see a lot of news stories. I thought we'd see a lot of buzz on the Internet. But everyone's like, oh, Jack Quaid, Alice Lee, also a Batman animated series. OK, moving on. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it feels like it might have been um, an announcement that they were hoping to get out at something like a WonderCon or an Emerald mm. City this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and then obviously those haven't happened. So yeah. we do have but some more animation other, news, though. Yeah. And other animated news continuing. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, we know him, uh, has signed to voice Crypto the Superdog in an upcoming animated film called DC League of Super Pets. Very cute idea. Yeah. Johnson is also producing the movie, probably why he's the voice of the lead, through his Seven Bucks production company. And according to the internet, we will also see Ace the Bad Hound, Jumpa, who is Wonder Woman's kangaroo, and Shriggy the Supercat. DC League of Super Pets is scheduled to hit theaters May 20th, 2022. Uh, nice. This is going to be wild, my friends. I think it will be. I mean, we've seen a couple of uh, Super Pets TV shows on Cartoon Network or wherever that they've seen these. I know that the Crypto and Streaky have had some stuff in the past. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. Rodrigo, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm also interested because uh, these kinds of projects are... It's like, this is how you let sort of like IPs breathe is by doing projects like these. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of the time things get really serious with Batman and Superman. So having yeah. like a Super Pets uh, movie or show is good. I just hope it doesn't follow the same formula as Crypto the Superdog. Maybe that's the show Crypto I was thinking is just of. kind of scolding everybody for doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. That one was definitely a, a kid friendly, kid friendly yeah. show. Yeah, uh, this will be interesting. I, so a lot of this stuff has already been locked in for a while. You know, they're already well into production on this, but I guess it got a lot of word uh, in the in the trades because uh, Dwayne Johnson signed on as as crypto just in the last week. So that's a that's a second DC hero slash villain that he will be playing within the next year or so. So looking forward to that. Finally, this week, a rare first edition of The Shadow, published in, 18, in 1931, April of 1931, sold for a record-breaking $156,000 last week at auction. Uh, this is the most expensive pulp magazine ever sold, according to Heritage Auctions. Originally, Rick Akers, the consignment director at uh, comics at uh, Heritage Auctions, expected the magazine to sell for $50,000, but heated bidding set the prices soaring. A copy of Weird Tales No. 1 that sold a year ago for less than $10,000 has kind of put things into perspective. The Weird Tales number one that sold a year ago for less than $10,000 sold for $36,000 at the same event last week. And a 1933 first edition of Doc Savage sold for $33,600. So uh, three really big pulp titles hitting the auction block last week. I kind of wish I would have known about this. Uh, Heritage does send us uh, stuff all the time. 
press releases, not unfortunately review copies of some <laughs> of these things. Um, but they have something would going have, on. Would have had us guess at how much it sold for? Yeah, man, that would have been great. Um, they have auctions going on all the time in comic books and pulps and original art and all that stuff. It used to be that their, um, you know, their comic book art or their comic book collections would be like once a quarter. Now it's going on every single week. There's a new batch of comics that are hitting that auction block and seeing these prices skyrocket goes back to what we've been talking about for probably the last month or so in that people are just jumping into this collector's market as some kind of hedge against uh, the dollar collapse. I have no idea, Rodrigo. Yeah, it's um, I think, you know, it's two things. One. Yeah, we're seeing a, a big uh, this big burst of like collector things, which is probably itself going to collapse mm-hmm. at some point. Um, but uh, it's also interesting that pulp is selling as well as it is. Um, maybe it's uh, maybe it's something that Hollywood and other stu- and other producers need to keep an eye on. You know, since they're constantly reviving yeah. stuff, maybe maybe the time to uh, to do another Shadow or a Doc Savage is, is arrived. Well, the, the Doc Savage movie has been on and off for literal years now. At one point. Like five or six years ago, uh, Dwayne Johnson was signed to play Doc Savage. This was with mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Black, the director. He, he's a Shane Black. Shane Black. Yeah, he's it's a good choice, actually, I think. Yeah. yeah. And of, of course, The Shadow, uh, we saw the movie several years ago. I thought that there was talk that they were in the uh, looking at uh, making a remake of this. Uh, of course, The Shadow, a uh, direct inspiration along with Zorro for Batman and Doc mm-hmm. Savage, a direct inspiration for uh, Superman. Uh, in a lot of in a lot of ways. So, yeah, it's it's amazing to see these pulp titles uh, soar up there. Uh, I once saw I went to the uh, Planet Comic Con up in Kansas City back when they were still at basically a gymnasium. And just to kind of put it in perspective, Doc Savage stuff sells incredibly well. I'm surprised it didn't sell for one hundred and fifty six thousand dollars. But I mm-hmm. remember someone was selling a beat up. And I mean, like it looked like it had been sitting in a rain puddle for two years uh doc savage magazine it wasn't even the first one that they wanted like 500 dollars for it and people were like yeah i'm gonna come back and buy this at the end of the day don't let anyone buy it uh and it's just like wow especially in kansas city because i asked the guys like why is doc savage stuff always so expensive in kansas city and he's like he had no real idea why but he did say that in the kansas city kansas kansas city missouri and up to the chicago area doc savage always sells well in that region it's so, uh, it's the pulpy towns, you know. Yeah, it is. You're, it really you're is. You're a trendsetter, Stephen. I guess so. I mean, I love I Doc mean, Savage. Somebody years ago, years ago, I, I've been reading Doc Savage since I was in middle school, high school, something like that. And I used to buy all of the, uh, the Bantam books reprints that they did in the '70s with the the really great uh, updated art. And in Lawrence, the places that would sell them, I mean, again, this is like 1980. Buying a single pulp. A book of Doc Savage would cost me between seventeen and thirty dollars in nineteen eighty. So uh, I, I mentioned that online one time, and somebody, one of our spoilerites, says like, "I've got a whole stack of Doc Savage books. You want them?" And so yeah, he sent me like twenty books, which uh, is great. So if anybody else wants to just you know donate their Doc Savage collection to me, uh, you know, hit me up to the Doc to the Schleicher <laughs> Doc Savage Heritage Museum. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Were you going to say something else there, Rodrigo? Uh, I, you know, if you think about like from the time that we've started doing the major spoilers podcast, like mm-hmm. as a, as a, as an example, as a point of reference, mm-hmm. the profile of superhero stuff in general has skyrocketed. Oh right? yeah. I'm not saying it was us. <laughs> um, I'm really not cause it wasn't, but, but there's something to that. There's more, more and more podcasts about superheroes more and more youtube explainers about superheroes just a lot more clout and when you pull superheroes up you pull up all of their references Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so the fact that we you know like the marvel like the mcu is like such a huge deal people do more research and then all of a sudden you start dredging up all the pulp right yep so maybe that's had something to do with it yeah i think we've gotten to the point where people are going pre you know, let's go pre uh, and also maybe they mm-hmm. want to get a hold of this, some, some of the stuff before it goes public domain, which yeah. I don't know if that's going to affect sale price. But I went looking for one of my favorite authors is uh, Ross McDonald, uh, Kenneth Millar or Miller. 
uh, is, you know, he writes as Ross McDonald. He wrote a series of detective books uh, featuring the detective Lou Archer. And I really, really got into these. Uh, Alex Segura got me hooked on on those books. And I was like, man, I want to see what a first edition copy of the Galton case goes for. And so just before the show today, I was like, let me just look and see $10,000 for a first edition hardback of the Galton case. Uh, and I was just like, my jaw was on the floor that that's how much some of these go for. I figured, you know, maybe two, three hundred dollars uh, for a good copy. But nope, ten thousand. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you've got those uh, those originals, those first editions uh, and they're old enough, contact uh, contact Harry's Jawkins. Maybe you can make a quick book and then you can become a patron over at Patreon dot com slash major spoilers. That's right. Uh, in the pre-show this week, we made a bunch of podcast book and television show recommendations that you guys might really want to dig on and and consume. I think you might want to enjoy that a lot. And the only way you can get the Major Spoilers pre-show is when you sign up at the silver level or higher at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Every dollar that you donate uh, the, when you become a patron goes right back into producing great shows like the Major Spoilers podcast, Critical Hit, The Dueling Review, and so much more. So please uh, consider becoming a Major Spoilers patron. And then you can talk about these stories when you connect your Patreon account to our Discord server. The Discord server is, of course, free to join. There is a link in the show notes. But if you do have a Patreon account, you can connect your Patreon and your Discord and access even more features. Find out more at patreon.com slash major spoilers. All right, let us jump into some reviews. And Ashley, I think you have the oldest... Uh, the, the piece of material that is the oldest. That's not saying that that much. It's only going back a couple of, of weeks. A new Angelina Jolie movie, which I saw the trailer for this and I'm kind of intrigued. So I want to know what your your thoughts are. Well, back in my day, we watched this movie <laughs> called Those Who Wish Me Dead. Um, in all seriousness, this is a Taylor Sheridan project that I believe was largely conceived in between seasons of Yellowstone. One of the coolest things I watched during the pandemic was Yellowstone. And so I said, hmm, this will be fun. Also, Jason said, do you want to watch Those Who Wish Me Dead? <laughs> it is uh, an eight straight to HBO Max original. I think we're still inside the window where you can stream it for free. Yeah, I think they, they go for 30 days on, on those. And it does star Angelina Jolie, but I will go into it a little more. I think John Bernthal should have been the lead. It's set, I believe, also in Montana, where all Taylor Sheridan things are set, if they're not set in Texas. And it stars a smoke jumper. I'm going to work really hard not to call them a fire jumper, because they're definitely called smoke jumpers, uh, which are the people who uh, basically fight forest fires and they're called smoke jumpers often because they are either airlifted in um or they have outposts kind of like forest rangers where they watch mm -hmm. for the fires yeah um and angelina jolie's character is a smoke jumper but she's a badass lady with a bad attitude so we find her compelling um so she's kind of been grounded following um a mission that she botched wherein some tiny children died. And so she's up alone in the forest. A tiny child gets chased to her and she kind of has to have the internal battle as externally she is saving the tiny child from an impending forest fire. And she does a solid job. She's interesting. The visual effects on fire are bad because for some reason we can do water, but we can't quite pull off fire yet. Um, John Bernthal plays the local sheriff, uh, or he might be a forest ranger. I don't know. He's a cop, guys. And he is Angelina Jolie's ex-boyfriend, but he's the one who, like, does everything right. Like, he's a by-the-book guy, and he gets dragged into her story because not only is this little boy uh, lost in the middle of a forest fire and requiring aid from adult figures. He's being chased by two assassins played by Peter Baelish, uh, and Hank McCoy from the new X-Men reboot mm. who killed his dad. And that's for me where it goes a, a little bit off the rails. Um, everything Taylor Sheridan does low key is a crime story dressed up as a Western. And that is where this story comes in. I don't, think the movie as effectively dovetails both of these story structures into a single narrative that makes sense. I think Yellowstone does that really well. Um, what's his 
oh my god, what's the movie he did before that with the brothers? And they're in Texas. Um, oh, I, I know which where they're robbing the banks to try to I save the farm. I'm sorry, I cannot think of what it's called. Oh I can man, the, I, I can the it's got one of the head. it's got one of the Hemsworths in it. Uh, it's not Yuma, is it? No, uh, I don't want to scream into the next room, so I will do Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one where, yeah. Um, Or Sicario, he also did Sicario. Jason is so, like, shaking his head at me and throwing his hands in the air. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Um, no, it doesn't have one of the Hemsworth. It's got uh, Chris Pine and Jeff Bridges in it. That's There you go, yeah. It's a very, very very good movie. Go watch that one, yeah. I think all of those movies just sort of meld the things that Taylor Sheridan likes to play with a little bit better than those who wish me dead. And I said at the top of my review that I think this was written and and it's based on a book um, and conceived of in between seasons of Yellowstone. And if you like frame it that way, the movie's a lot more enjoyable. It goes from being like a pretty okay movie to like a good movie. Um, I, I It's one of those things where you're like, oh man, this is like one or two drafts away from being like really, really special. But it is a cool idea. John Bernthal, for being in such a limited part of it, is the most grounded character there. He's gives a really good performance. Um, I think he's underrated. And I, I just really like the fact that HBO Max is brave enough to put out... Uh, I mean, this is not independent, right? It was produced by a huge studio. But, like, smaller projects by mm-hmm. creative voices right now. And that... Um, they're sort of balancing that with their streaming life, even as their more mainstream stuff, they're like walking back whether or not Dune is going to be in theaters only or not. So if you have mm. any interest in this, I would recommend checking it out. Definitely if you're a Taylor Sheridan fan or if you liked any of um, his other movies that I could barely remember when I was talking about them I... earlier. But if you check this out, particularly during this initial 30-day period, that will tell HBO Max that you want to get more movies on streaming as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. I my main now that now that you've said that uh, Taylor Sheridan was also behind Hill or High Water, and I really like that movie. Yeah. I think I'm going to watch this one. I think I'm going to watch Those Who Wish Me Dead. I almost watched it the other night, but uh, I, instead I ended up watching Army of the Dead by Zack Snyder. Now listen, <laughs> uh, I like zombie movies. I think they can be a lot of fun. I actually didn't watch my first zombie movie until I was maybe a junior. I think I was a junior in high school because scary movies just scared the crap out of me as a kid. And I didn't want to experience those things. But then one night at a, a party, everyone's like, Hey, let's watch, uh, the, um, you know, the, the George Romero, uh, zombie movie. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And I kind of really like that. And even when Zack Snyder did his, uh, D- dawn of the dead or day of the dead, whichever one he, he did, uh, that one was, I found very compelling, very interesting. A lot of people really hated it. Uh, so when it, the word came around that Zack Snyder had Army of the Dead and it's got Dave Bautista in it and, you know, Tignataro and a cast of thousands uh, and also a bunch of zombies in it as well. And they're trying to do a heist in a casino in zombie ridden Las Vegas. I was like, Ocean's Eleven meets, you know, Walking Dead. I, I'm kind of down for this. And so I sat down to watch it. It does move quickly enough. It is, I've told you exactly what you're going to expect. Zombies meets, meets casino heist. That is, that's all you need to know. They do try to give a lot of backstory to a lot of these characters and try to set up situations where um, you're hoping that certain people die and certain people don't die. Don't get attached to anybody in this film. Um, there is nothing that is going to shock you in this film. There, the, I think the only thing that is shocking in this film is, is that it is too long. It is two and a half hours long. Now, I will say it moved very quickly from start to finish. It was a lot of fun. It is, I mean, zombie films are not, this is not going to win an Oscar. Zombie films are not, you know, high cinema. You know, uh, I, I feel Steven Spielberg and Robert De Niro would both turn their nose up at this and just say that it's, you know, it's a lowbrow movie theater experience type stuff. That's fine. If you want a good popcorn flick where zombies are trying to kill people and people are blowing the heck out of zombies, that's great. I really wish that, uh, what's his name, Dory Dorn, I think is the editor, Zack Snyder's editor, who also did um, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think someone needs to sit him down and say, just because it was shot doesn't mean it has to go in the film. Uh, Surprisingly, I didn't hear, um, who does Fat Man on Batman with uh, Kevin Kevin Smith? Mark Bernard, Mark, Mark Bernard, who, uh, you know, over the years, I've really started to come to respect everything that he has to say. 
But on Monday, I had said that Army of the Dead should be a really, really tight one hour and 45 minutes. And it would have been a blast and people would be going back again and again to see this. And then uh, the day later, I was listening to the most recent Fat Man on Batman and Mark Bernard was like, yeah, I think this needs to be a tight one hour, 45 minutes and it would be really good. That is the thing that is holding this up is that this film is just a little bit too long and we don't have to get, you know, everybody have a backstory. We don't have to know everybody's fears and all these kinds of things. We don't need to know everybody's motivations. And then there's this weird thing. I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it because this is the major spoilers podcast. There's this weird thing where the zombie, the lead zombie is trying to impregnate zombie women. Now, there's not any like zombie on zombie sex action in this. Oh, no. Uh, but there is there is oh, a, no. there is a pregnant uh, zombie who unfortunately doesn't live long enough. And so the, the head zombie, you know, has to reach in and pull out the dead baby fetus. And get all angry and then go and attack uh, everybody. Ah, so they're like, Twilight fans, I see. I guess because there's some weird blue sparkly stuff that's going on with uh, with the zombies as well. But really, <laughs> I think that I think that that whole I know why that part is there and how it drives other parts of the plot. But you could take out that whole storyline and the associated characters with that storyline, and this movie would be so much tighter and so much better. The special effects are fine. Tignataro was actually somebody that was hired after principal photography was was wrapped uh, to replace. I don't know which actor that uh, Tig was replacing, but they had to go back and reshoot all of her stuff with green screen and compositing. And unless you really know what you're looking for, she blends blend seamlessly in in the in the movie. So it's you know, the effects work is really done well. The zombie stuff is really, really done well. The blood and the guts is done well. It's a zombie film. It's also Zack Snyder. So if you're a Zack Snyder fan, you want to jump in on on this, but it needs to be trimmed heavily. And so I'm only going to give this three and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Still a lot of fun. Don't worry. If you love zombie stuff, jump in and enjoy yourself. So there's there's my take on that. Ashley, I forgot to ask uh, those who wish me dead. How many slices of meatloaf did you give on that one? I will give it a solid three slices of meatloaf. Better than average. Nothing wrong with that all right let's actually get to some comic book this week Wait, and, what, and, major and i say there's only one comic book story <laughs> in this whole show this week everything else is uh, television yeah 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 Unsubscribe. so there you go i <laughs> wish i'd go. gotten the memo i would have tried to watch something <laughs> well, there's a lot to watch rodrigo out there so that's that's kind of how i spent my weekend is that <laughs> and the uh, next thing that we'll be talking about but first let us hear about the worst dudes Right. The words, Worst Dudes, number one, uh, by Aubrey Sitterson and mm-hmm. Tony Gregori. Um, it is a comic book put out by Dark Horse Comics. And I guess I would qualify it as a dirty space action romp. Um, the basic plot in this first issue is um there are gods there are space gods and um the 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 boss of the the, like the head space god um is uh kind of a is a bit of a philanderer and so has bastard demigods all over the place so uh his wife probably the actual leader of the gods um, has hired a a police officer, like a space cop to go track her down uh, so that she doesn't embarrass the family. Once it comes out that, um, that she's related to the space gods. Um, She also sends along her son uh, who is this like teenage, uh, like teenager looking kid um and they have to the the first place where they go to track her down is her ex-husband's place and her ex-husband is this enormous anthropomorphic pink lion nice um and so these three appear to be the worst dudes because they are they're kind of all individually terrible in their own ways None of them are super likable, but um, 
the the real price of this book is that when they're interacting with each other, their individual uh, types of jerk faciness um, interact well and are interesting and funny to to watch or to read. Um, the art is great. Um, Tony Gregory does a great job uh, with expressions. All the character design is really good. And, you know, a book like this really allows a an artist to flex, right? Uh, there's a character in this who's like a, a weird, like, Care Bear-looking seal. There's a character in this who is uh, like a... Um, a weird... Uh, like uh what i want to say like uh like gimp kind of person um there's like all kinds of weird stuff in the background there's just all types of stuff all over the place it's uh some panels are very dense they look really good um so yeah all together i'm gonna give it this three and a half slices of meatloaf i'm interested to see where it goes um i'm like this book doesn't sell me on like gross stuff and cursing and all that stuff, right? It's uh, I, I think it it belongs in this book. I don't think you know. Sometimes you read something and they'll have like a poop joke or something, and mm-hmm. it it seems that it's there because something needed to go there, not because you know. So all of the gross and stupid stuff that happens in this book is motivated, um, but it's kind of not my bag. So. Uh, I, I'm, I am interested to see what happens next. Um, but, you know, if I don't necessarily catch the next issue, it's not going to be the end of the world for me. Yeah, it's got a lot of very, very bright colors. Yes, it is. It's it's a pretty psychedelic book. Yeah, there's even a psychedelic um, is, sequence in this. that. Yep, there is some drug use in this book. So if that's your bag, I feel like you will enjoy this book more. Um, but I'm not condoning the use of uh my views do not reflect major spoilers (laughs) let's just let's just end this and and my review my thoughts are on if it's legal and uh, you're being safe and you're not being abusive uh then do whatever you want Uh, so there you go yeah uh three and a half slices of meatloaf for the worst dudes number one rodrigo Uh uh-huh Yep. All right. There you go. Uh, listeners, you can find more reviews of these uh, of, of these deep thoughts over at Majorspoilers.com and maybe some not so deep thoughts. Uh, but uh, Majorspoilers.com, there's a lot of stuff over there, uh, more stuff going up every day. And I can't you know, I can tell that we are definitely moving past pandemic now because uh, a year ago I was like scrambling to just find a few stories to post on the site a day. And then everybody was, of course, yeah. doing a lot of original content. And like the last two weeks, it's been like. 15 20 posts a day that is just like above and beyond anything that we've done in the past uh and, and today alone just with the sneak peeks just the the number of of new issues that are coming out i think we had like 53 new titles that uh publishers sent us previews on so it's it's a lot of stuff and you can find out all sorts of stuff over there at majorspoilers.com here's the other thing this week we were all supposed to watch a new marvel series didn't launch on Disney Plus this time because it gets a little raunchy, it gets a little silly, it gets a little violent. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Modoc on Hulu from uh, Patton Oswalt and Jordan Bloom. Uh, I think originally I said watch one episode, but then I forgot my own instructions. And so I watched all 10 or 12, 10, 10 episodes ten of episodes, this thing. Yeah. Did you guys watch all 10 episodes or did you just watch one episode? I watched all episodes. So you and I are in because, the same boat because yeah, because uh, on the email that you sent us, I you had said one on the email that said 10 and I was like, well, here's this one's written down. So I'll go with this one. What about so you? I did Ashley? extra credit, I guess. What about you, Ashley? Um, I watched about 15 minutes of the first episode. OK, well, so here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think that you're off off the mark in saying you only watch 15 minutes of the first episode. Uh, I it's very it's very much a taste thing for me. I want to be very upfront about yeah, that. Yeah, and I'll say this too: if you're a fan of the Venture Brothers and if you're a fan of Robot Chicken, I think that Modoc is probably the series that you will love. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for it. 
uh, is my overall impression. Uh, I thought it was what, what's the word that I that I used? Um, amazingly mediocre is is my overall thought on on Modoc. Uh, I I originally thought that Disney or that Hulu was going to release this once one episode a week. But instead, they jumped, dumped everything on us. So I thought we'd just be talking about the first episode, go into depth on it, talk about, you know, which how... is a little wild to me, because when they were releasing um, Runaways, which uh-huh. I thought was great, um, Runaways came out weekly. Yeah, well, even, you know, a lot of stuff that runs on Hulu, like even the um, the Stephen King uh, TV series, the time travel one that came out several years ago was one new episode a week. And I was complaining because oh, I was like, oh, I keep forgetting about so those shows. Number 11, 20. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hike. Yes. And so I was like, oh, so this will be this will come out, you know, once a once a week and we'll watch the first episode and decide whether we want to watch the rest of it. And I sat down and I fell asleep during the first episode. And then I was like, oh, there's another episode on this. And so I just decided to keep watching it. My wife's reaction to this was, I think, really amazing. Uh, she's like, oh, um, my son was flipped on HBO Max because he wanted to watch the Sandlot or something like that. And he said, Modoc, because, you know, that's the thing that popped up. I said, yeah, it's not really that great. And my wife was like, oh, I can't I, I couldn't stand it. And I was like, yeah, I had to watch it for tonight's show. And she's like, oh, that explains why you're watching the whole thing, because she just thought it was not funny at all. And Rodrigo, what are your overall impressions before we take a deep dive into what Modoc is about and what's going on? Yeah, so um, I'm in a similar place as you, Stephen, and except there was like a voyage of discovery for me because I started watching it and I, I in general, wasn't finding it funny, right? I, there were a few chuckles here and there and I'm like, why, if they have everything kind of lined up, why isn't this funnier? And then I realized that it's like, I felt like everything felt very familiar, like this style of joke. And mm-hmm. the style of situation feels very familiar. And then I realized that actually this is just what, like ten, a 10-episode ten robot chicken sketch, right? Right, right. And, and I used to watch, I used to sit down to watch Robot Chicken back in the, I don't know, when was it out? Two, 2008 or yeah. something? yeah. Whenever it was that Robot Chicken was on, I was watching it and I loved it. And, you know, we saw such gems as um, the Thundercats, except they live in a trailer park and the Justice League uh, fighting all of their reverse uh, counterparts. And, of course, Wonder Woman's like reverse Wonder Woman just wears clothes everywhere that Wonder Woman doesn't. Right. So. uh, These types of jokes that are in MODOK are actually kind of in general, the same types of jokes. Mm-hmm. Here's here are some lame B-list characters, right? Uh, they give each of them like a weird personality and they just kind of like set them set them up and, and get them going. Um, there's the incongruity of like, Modoc is a family man, right? Um, which again, used to be all you needed for a robot chicken sketch, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, again, what if the Thundercats, but like, Lionel married Chitara, and now he's like, he's recently been fired, right? It's like that premise in and of itself is cute and funny. Um, and when you have a, an exactly one minute skit to go with it, um, it's great. You know, you watch it and either you liked it or you didn't, but either way, it's over. Uh, with Modoc, you can't get away from this sketch. Uh, it just kind of keeps going. Um, I like, I didn't hate it. It did kind of grow on me by the end. And there were like a couple times when there were like some real solid laughs. Mm-hmm. But it's it was like maybe four over the course of 10 episodes where I was yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So the, the, the whole premise here is that uh, Modoc is a family guy and his wife is is a is an author. But, uh, you know, she doesn't feel like the, the connection is there anymore. So she wants a divorce. And so one plot for this entire 10 arc is him trying to win back his wife by being an incredible dumbass. And then at the same time, uh, AIM is bankrupt. And so he has to sell out to Gingbar, Glingbar. I forget what the name of the company is, but it's a Google type company. And now he has to live in a corporate world doing corporate things. Uh, so that's a whole other plot. And then there is another plot that has to deal with time travel and young Modoc coming in and trying to destroy everybody's plans there's another plot and then there's you know there's this whole little story things that keep building up that will disappear for like 
an entire episode or two only to show back up later. And you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that plot. Um, and then it, it doesn't even get resolved at the end of the, the 10 episodes. It, it very much feels like they are expecting MODOK to get a second uh, season. Yeah. To continue it, because in the end, well, a lot of streaming shows are greenlit for two seasons to justify that initial cost. Oh, maybe, and maybe that's what it is. And this one had to though, be expensive. I mean, the show's all CG, so perhaps in order to justify the development, like they might have been greenlit for two. I don't, also, the show was announced like six million years yeah. ago, and by that I mean maybe two or three years ago. I don't know what time is anymore. Yeah. Um So I can't remember if it was greenlit. It was a couple. Of, it was the last time there was a Comic Con that this this was announced. So that's two years ago, at least. Also, not yes, not CGI. Six million years ago. <laughs> yeah, this this isn't this isn't she's CGI. This is actual stop motion puppetry, which on the technical side, I got to give this a lot of props for mm -hmm. the stop motion stuff. So yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it, it looks really, really good. Um, it feels like the robot chicken people really have gone to the next level with with some of this stuff. Uh, so I can't I can't fault it for its animation style. It's just, you know, the stories are just kind of. As you said, Rodrigo, a joke that went on too long. It's like a Saturday night sketch, uh, Saturday night live sketch that didn't know when it should have ended. Right. And I kind of felt this way about the, every single episode. Now, there were some good episodes. There's a, an episode where Modoc thinks that he can win back his wife. This may be episode two or three. It must be episode two, where he's going to win back his wife by doing some time travel to go take her to a Third Eye Blind third concert, eye blind concert yeah. that they didn't get to see, uh, you know, back in the day. And they ended up getting stuck back in time. And the only way that they can get caught up to the regular time is by living, just living. And through that process, they get to observe themselves falling in love and all the things that made their love special. And then at the very end, when they're very, very old, they realize that, yes, they should have stayed together. Only they screw up the time travel gimmick and erase themselves from reality. And you're, you're right back to where you started. Oh, that right. kind of reminds me of the... Um... That the Rick and Morty episode. <laughs> oh, I was going to say there was a Rick and Morty episode, too, where yeah. Morty has a reset button that he can go back and fix all of his mistakes. And he ends up falling in love with his girl and everything is great. And then at the last minute, his his uh, father presses the reset button by accident and he loses the love of his life kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So there's those kinds of things. And then in the end, and I, I again, uh, the end of this series just kind of ends on a cliffhanger with Modoc getting everything he wants, but he has lost everything and he will do anything now to get back what he wants. And I was like, that's the end. That's how they're going to end it. I was kind of like, this is kind of a, a horrible ending. I, I think, uh, especially for something that's supposed to be a comedy. So I don't know. I like you, Rodrigo, when I watched this, my journey was, Oh, this is trying to be Harley Quinn. This is trying to be that Harley Quinn show on HBO max, mm -hmm. but it's not committed to going all the way with the with the the potty humor and it's not committed all the way to having a a message of here's somebody trying to break a glass ceiling and really discover who she is because i don't think that at the end of this first arc that modok has even discovered who he is beyond that he is the smartest person in the world and everyone else's duty heads yeah and it's kind of an issue because the show needs to continue to be funny and so Modoc mm -hmm. is very frequently like a, a Peter Griffin slash Homer Simpson type character, yeah. right? Yep, yep. Just completely pigheaded, except he's very smart. Um, so just stubborn, you know, bullheaded, doesn't doesn't take other people's stuff into account because that's funny, because consistently characters will open up to Modoc and he will just like crush them. Yeah. Or or show that he is so self-involved that he didn't hear them, so on and so forth. And they need to keep making that joke, but also simultaneously they're trying to give Modoc an arc. And mm -hmm. those are two things that are working against each other. Yeah. Um, and and that's you know, that's what ends up happening a lot is you know, you have an episode where a uh, Modoc and his daughter kind of connect, and by the end of the episode, they have to kind of trash that mm -hmm. um in order to have in order to have the same sorts of interactions later where Modoc dismisses her or where she's absolutely mortified to be around him um, because he's, you know, a huge jerk. Yeah. So, uh, hmm. Well, and, it, and it's unfortunate because I do think there's a lot of really great casting choices. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, no. Pat um, Oswalt is great in this. Uh, uh, Melissa is, Fumero is and, great. And, Amy Garcia. And he great. has 
real world experience being a husband mm-hmm. to a young daughter mm-hmm. and everyone's very funny and has good timing but yeah i just why why did you stop after 15 minutes were you just like this is totally not for me or was offensive to yeah, me or the, what was the, the um the um post robot chicken brand of humor is just not my jam there's mm. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying it doesn't take talent. I'm not saying that there haven't been robot chicken sketches that I have laughed at in my it's just like so not for me. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that you brought up Venture Brothers earlier because I think Venture Brothers is very good. Um, and, and it is my jam. Yeah. So I'm not huge on Modoc to begin with. Um, I've said this a lot on the, on this podcast um, and on GHL. I am like I will never grow out of my six-year-old, like good guys are good and bad guys mm-hmm. are bad. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me mm-hmm. to get behind a series. Um, that stars a villain. I know we're making him a nice, sweet person who, but like Modoc is not my thing. The style of the show is not my thing. The style of humor is not my thing. Um, and, and that doesn't always mean that shows don't surprise you or, or come out of, and, and maybe if I did stick around till issue issue episode three or five, <laughs> maybe I would have found something. Um, but I really wanted to watch The Expanse instead. <laughs> yeah, so no, I, I mean, watch, which is also a show full of people in a morally gray area. So I do understand the hypocrisy. Please don't tweet well, me. Well, no. So there's a difference between morally gray area and someone who is a villain that you're trying to make uh, sympathetic. And mm-hmm. com- comparing to what you just said and what Rodrigo said a moment ago is, you know, Modoc is a is a psychopath. He has no empathy for other people. He only thinks about himself before he thinks about others. And that's yeah. what makes him Modoc, right? But at the same time, we're supposed to root him on and cheer him on in hopes that he will get back together with his wife and his family. But he keeps screwing it up. So even at the end, I get to the point where it's like you haven't earned, in my opinion, you haven't earned the audience's um, uh, cheering you on kind of thing. Yeah, you haven't earned the audience's affection. Maybe you like him because he is just such a dope in this, which kind of is counter to the you know, mind yeah, but only, there, you know, there is a lot of machine. classic comedies and sitcoms where the dad is a dope. Well, or the all, father, all right? sitcoms like, like Homer Simpson yeah. is, is the, is the classic example of yeah. that, but, but, but he's also seasons. He's not, he's not, I mean, he is now, but he's not psychotic. You know what I mean? No, but I mean, even in the early days of Homer Simpson, you know that Homer loves his family from the very first time yeah. you meet him, even though yeah. he, he wants to strangle Bart because Bart is annoying. You know that he loves his family. I don't really get that with Modoc because in the one moment he is just like, uh, oh, yes, son, uh, I want you to go to your bar mitzvah and I want you to have a great time, but no magic. And then he's like, oh, embrace the magic. But then he turns around and says no magic, uh, you know, which is kind of like, oh, well, what is what is it going to be? Why do you have to be back and forth on this? And, you know, he keeps doing these these jerk things that makes you go, I can understand why your wife left you. And I don't think that you guys should be back together. Uh, but then there are some moments where you're like, oh, well, that's kind of touching in in uh, this one episode where there are duplicates of everyone. And in order to find out which is the robot and which is the real person, everybody has to kill everybody else until you in hopes that you get it right. And it gets down to um, what we think is the original uh, Ben Schwartz son and then a duplicate. And instead of trying to, you know, roll the dice and figure out a, which one they should weird kill. a casting choice, I thought, yeah. for a, a character of color. Yeah. And instead of instead of killing, uh, you know, one of them, they're just like, well, you know what? Let's just keep them both. And now we have two sons. And it's like, well, OK, yeah. that's a, that's a nice way to end that. It is. It's funny. Yeah. It's it's a good idea. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's just like Modak doesn't doesn't deserve this. He hasn't earned any of it. And I don't know if you think the same way as well, Rodrigo. I just I, I think. A lot of stuff feels unearned because they keep walking it back. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like uh, I I enjoyed the Harley Quinn show because right. actually relationships developed during mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you know, like her the relationship to Joker changed. Poison Ivy and Kideman's relationship changed. Poison Ivy and uh, Harley's relationship changed as it moved along because because the show was giving you that right well and then they committed they committed to the bit and they followed through with that bit yeah the the show wants you to uh have that continuity and so that continuity is there with modok they always they try to have it both ways right they want you to see modok grow as a person but they keep having to make him a huge jerk because that's the joke the joke is that modok will just as easily kill you as like brush you aside as talk to you right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so 
if they take that away, uh, they have to write new stuff to replace that. And it just seems like they don't want to. Yeah. So I, I get any, any given episode of Modoc is, can be the first episode mm-hmm. other than, you know, as far as like the characters interactions go. Right. Um, I, I think it's interesting that you brought up Harley Quinn because we did talk about it on a previous episode of the major spoilers podcast. And I was not super hot on that either. Yeah. Um, but by comparison, I mean, Harley Quinn is war and peace. (laughs) Wow. uh, Even, even though I didn't enjoy it terribly much, like it is satisfying when Harley and Ivy connect and, and and things like that. And just sitting here wondering (laughs) if MODOK could have achieved that or if the character is just too, like, he's not a real person in the comics. Like, is that the problem? Yeah. Well, I mean, they can they can write a character in any way, right? Um, Poison Ivy hadn't been this character, yeah, in a long like before, right? If you look at Poison Ivy a long, long time ago, she is irrecognizable, both in attitude, power set, everything, right? She aesthetics, even a, yeah. Yep, she's become a completely different character. So you can write characters in any way. You could have even started with this ludicrous, like Modok being this like weird little monster but he has a family and then gone from there and they could have written it in such a way that you did care for modok and you know maybe one of the things that modok has to work on is not killing people as often and that's funny but also it grows and then by the end he's not killing very many people maybe he like slips and kills some people and he has to work on that there's a lot there's like a weirdly... Lopez, ladies and gentlemen highly employable yes thank you uh, a um, there's like a huge amount of stuff going on on Modok. Yeah, you have Modok stuff. You have everything that his family has going on. Plus, this like evil space company is trying is has taken over AIM. So you have like workplace stuff, family stuff for sitcom type stuff. Also, adventure stuff for like the the space stuff. A rivalry with a with Monica his like fellow scientist and like weirdly a lot of the time I'm like, this should just be Monica's show. <laughs> like it makes more sense for her to be the protagonist because mm-hmm. Modoc is this weird cartoony like boss would yeah. you and would be funny if, if he was like her an, boss. An aim show. Right. I wish it was an aim show. If it was kind just like, workplace we shenanigans. That, um, we were supposed to get that da- uh, damage. Report, oh, damage, damage control. control. Damage control. Yeah. 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 Like something more in that vein. I, I mean, you we'll know, see. if if we only if you took out the whole family side of Modoc and you mm-hmm. just gave us aim having to deal with becoming a corporation and then discovering that it's a, you know, run by space aliens and that Modoc and Monica have to team up in order to get the company back. And in the end, right. Modoc still screws over Monica. Mm-hmm. I would be totally down with that show. But when you try they, to make Modoc a lovable character who cares for his family but also doesn't care for his family, I kind of have him out. Yeah, they they do have a lot going on. They tap into a lot of rich veins, but only go a little bit of depth into it. There's this thing where uh when not Google acquires AIM, <laughs> uh they they're like, "Okay, Modoc, but we want you to work on a tablet." Mhm. Right. And he's like, oh, my death ray or whatever, you know, and they're like, no, you have to work on a tablet. And they make Monica work on stuff that she doesn't want to work on as well. They try to make Um, her take a vacation because she's never taken a vacation. Right. It would be actually pretty good if they just kind of played that straight. If there was like no space invasion, if like AIM is acquired by a legit company Mm -hmm. and they want them to crank out like normal products and this group of weirdos can't do that. I know that that's functional because that's actually kind of what better off Ted was. And that's a funny show. Yeah. No, my favorite episode was the one where they had to go through the whole organizational structure of the company. So Modoc could get his death ray to go blow up Captain America and Monica wanted to erase all of her vacation days so she could work on torturing manatees. That was the best episode of the series. I think that has like, uh, is that the one where that has like a flashback to like Monica first joining AIM? Yes, I think so. Yeah. So that joke also has, or that show also has like one of the few jokes that made me laugh out loud, which is like, it's a flashback to Monica first joining AIM and like 80, like synth music is playing yes. and her hair's kind of frizzed out. Yes. And it's like, 
2009 underneath right because that's when it would have happened of course it wouldn't have happened in the 80s right the 80s were a thousand years ago yep yep that i think that was the exact same episode that's the one that got me to laugh too was it's definitely 2009 uh yeah that was that was good so yeah if maybe if they just i mean i think you could you could totally edit this show and get a really good four episodes if you cut out all the family part likewise you could probably cut out all of the aim stuff and just make it the family bit and you'd probably get four episodes of or maybe two episodes of really good content. Um, but I think that the I think the aim stuff would be funnier. That's just me. Well, so. and it, 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 it would be because it then you wouldn't need that growth from Modoc, right. whereas the family stuff necessitates it. Right. You would also need less references to the rest of the MCU, which is kind of I um, the thing that bumped me from the Eternals trailer, um, which also dropped this week, mm-hmm. uh, was that we got like, again, in the first 15 minutes, Iron Man right off the bat. Like everything doesn't have to go back to freaking right. Iron Man. Like oh, it don't... can stand on its own within its own politics and its own mythos and its own world without having to reference. Hey, you remember Robert Downey Jr.? You were yeah. sad when he died, right? Ding. Yeah. Yeah. They. Yeah. So Iron Man shows up. Uh, Thor shows up. Fing Fang Foom shows up. Um, Captain America, Captain America shows up and then there is a great, um, the villains at the no name bar, Mm -hmm. which are actual villains from the Marvel universe. Just so great. Those characters were great. Uh, the super adaptoid I thought was funny enough. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this is like, but I really liked it. And if you did great, like I said, I think that there is, I totally think that there is an audience for Modoc, And I hope that if you really enjoyed it, that you are that audience. I don't think that there's anything wrong with liking this show. Uh, it just didn't fire for me for the, you know, a lot of the reasons why uh, that I've already mentioned. It, but I think if you really enjoyed it, great. And, and please feel free to write us and let us know why you liked it. I will totally read your responses uh, next week on the on the major or two weeks on the major spoilers podcast. But for now, I'm unless something drastically changes in season two or the next 10 episodes or however many more uh, that gets scheduled for this, I kind of not interested and I, I really can't recommend it. I would not recommend it to my friends and probably more of a more scathing uh, review of Modoc was this week. I was on the, uh, the morning stream with uh, Scott Johnson and Brian Ibbett and Brian Ibbett is probably the biggest Modoc mm-hmm. fan you will ever meet in your entire life. And he was just like, yeah, I watched two episodes and I'm not really happy with it. Yeah. So that's that's my final thought is I would say unless you're really down on robot chicken type humor, this is this is definitely a pass for me. Uh, Ashley, you you got 15 minutes in and said pass for you, but uh, give us some some other <laughs> final thoughts. I, I'm the same way. I would I would recommend this to very few people that I know. Um, most of them are like my 12 year old cousins. Um, and that's in no way saying that there's no room for this mm-hmm. and that this is invalid or anything like that. It's just, you know, as a, as a Robin love and little girl, it's not for me, but I will salute them. It looks great. Rodrigo, we're going to give you the final word this week. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people will actually find a uh, Modoc satisfying because they, it has everything. They just threw everything at the wall. So there's a lot of Marvel references, a lot of obscure Marvel references, sitcoms like uh, workplace sitcom, family sitcom, and also like comic book action. Um, but it's kind of in the way that things come together that it didn't really work for me. I actually actually fell asleep during one episode, <laughs> which is saying something for a show where Patton Oswalt is constantly yelling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a pass for me. I wouldn't really recommend it to a lot of people unless, you know, you're like a diehard Marvel fan and you want to watch it all, that's fine. Or if you're just like, man, I wish there was more robot chicken in my life, then absolutely watch this because it's more robot chicken. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap it up for this issue. Thank you so much. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Remember, you can send us an email. I'd love to hear your Modoc feedback podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Join our Discord server. Uh, become a patron over at Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. And remember, because I'm going to be out, uh, no show next week. Uh, no shows on the Major Spoilers Network next week. 
But we will be back in two weeks. In two weeks, we will be talking about Lady Killer Volume 1, which just got announced for, was it a movie or a TV show, Ashley? I forget which one. It is a Netflix series. Netflix Sorry, series. Lively. That's right. It's coming up. We'll be talking about that in two weeks. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. Take care. Fat the X-ray vision of a Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page Would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Being in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC